Now, The Sipping Point with Lori Forster, the wine coach, certified sommelier, corporate entertainer, and wife to a world-class chef, Lori is literally pouring the fun back into wine. Meet some of the most interesting people in the world of food, wine, and spirits as she uncorks the recipe for a delicious life. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach, and we're here with The Sipping Point, and I'm excited because next to me, virtually, of course, I have Mimi Nye from Horse Heaven Hills, one of our American viticultural areas in Washington State, and she has had the pleasure, and the rest of us, really, of making wines from that area for Chateau St. Michel for 25 years, I believe it is now, and I'm so excited, Mimi, to have you here on The Sipping Point. I want to learn more and let our listeners know more about what it's like to be a viticulturist, which means you grow the grapes, which to me is the foundation of everything when you're drinking a wine. It's sort of like uh, you got to start with the right ingredients to make a fabulous dinner. And if that's right, you can't go too wrong. (laughs) So the grapes are so important. Um, You're just getting ready to retire, I understand, but there's probably no one else in Washington State and certainly in the Horse Heaven Hills that knows more. So thank you for joining us on The Sipping Point. Well, it's my pleasure, Lori. Yes. So, so exciting. And as a woman, as a viticulturist, tell people what that means. And are there a lot of other women doing what you're doing? Well, there are a lot of lady winemakers, but there are not very many uh, women in viticulture, but there are more all the time, actually. there There's a young group of women coming on, which I'm very happy to see because um, it's a great career. And I've really loved my time in the vineyard. Yes. And so when I studied wine, I try to tell people, yeah, viticulture is the growing of the grapes and vinification or winemaking is the for, you know, fermenting of the grape juice and making it into wine. But there's an old saying that, you know, wine is made in the vineyard and that's really the foundation to everything. So I hear that you grew up a city girl. How does a city girl <laughs> become a grape girl where your hands get dirty and, you know, out there on the land? How did that all come about? Well, I did. I grew up in Seattle and I was going to the University of Washington. Hadn't really decided what I wanted to do. But I took a little horticulture class, just fell in love with horticulture. But so I transferred to Washington State University where they had a horticulture um, program. And back in those days, they didn't have a viticulture program because, um, you know, the wine industry was so young at that time. But um, after I graduated, I went to work on a farm and eventually I, I worked my way into the wine industry. Nice. And so you did a lot of on-the-job training, really. I mean, how did you have somebody as, were you their apprentice? Did you have a mentor? How did you even know how to begin? Well, that's a great question. And and I think when I started the industry, even was fairly young. And so we've learned so much and I've learned so much over the years how to grow grapes. um, And we're still learning all the time. I don't think we've finished learning. But um, the way I did it is um, I had great support. St. Michelle Line Estates is the company I've been working for for the last 35 years. And um, at St. Michelle, or at Canoe Ridge the last 25 years. Um, And I had lots of people around me that knew a lot more than I did. 
but I'll have to say that I learned the most from the grapes themselves, just wow. by observing, by tasting the grapes, by tasting the wine. I did have a wonderful mentor, um, Dr. Walter Clore. Dr. Clore is known as the father of Washington wine, and he was a researcher at WSU, and he would come out and um, visit me in the vineyard. And one time he's, I had a question about, should I do this or should I do that, a production question. And he said, look at the grapes, meaning the grapes will tell you what to do. And what a profound thing he said, mm -hmm. um, not only in that instance, but um, I think I've learned more from the grapes themselves than, than any other any other thing. Kind of scary, though, because that's trial and error, isn't it? <laughs> well, it is. And, and the thing about wine and, and grapes, it's, it, it takes you a whole year to learn something. And if you make a mistake, you know, you can't like go back and fix it the next day. But one thing, yeah, you can't just run another batch next week. But um, one thing that we do is we do a lot of experimentation. So we'll try you know, half of the field one way and half of the field something else, maybe different irrigation treatments or different leafing to let more sun or less sun onto the grapes. All those things make a big difference in the wine. And then the winemakers will make them separately and give, you know, we'll taste through them, we'll get feedback. And so um, we have tried to learn um, by observing the wine as well and seeing the results we get that way. I love it. Well, that sounds like a tasty way to learn. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about um, Horse Heaven Hills in general. I printed off a little map here for people. Oh, um, wonderful. And if you look at the state of Washington, you're right down here at the bottom uh, along the, the river. So if folks are not familiar and they can download this map at washingtonwine.org uh, uh, and we'll give them the website for Horse Heaven Hills as well. But if they're not familiar with the AVA Horse Heaven Hills, uh, tell Tell people what makes it so special. I mean, we see a little bit of it in the background behind you. Yes. Yeah, so so uh, it, just to back up a little bit, in case people don't know Washington State very well, the west side of the state is quite rainy. Where Seattle is or, or Portland, Oregon, it's, it's green, it's lush, they get lots of rainfall. But the east side of the state is a desert. And that's, because, and that's where the grapes are grown in this desert. So that's because the Cascade Range of Mountains blocks all the incoming moisture coming in from the ocean. <clears throat> and so we're growing grapes in a very sunny, hot environment. And that's just the kind of environment that grapes love because actually grapes originated in the Middle East and they're very custom. They're quite at home in a desert and they're built for stress. So you can water stress them so um, to, to build characters so you know how stress builds character in people exactly <laughs> yeah the same with grapes and so you can change the character of the grape by how much water or how little water you put on but i digress a little bit i just wanted people to know that we are in a desert we do irrigate our grapes and um in here in the horse heaven hills it's one of the warmest parts of the state, and grapes love heat. And what heat does for grapes is it helps them ripen, completely ripe. And so the, you don't have any, um, in horse heaven wines, you don't have any the green veggie character in the, in the wines. The, the Cabernet gets all the way ripe, and it's delicious, um, ripe flavors. And so um, 
that's one characteristic of the horse having hills is heat. Another characteristic is we do tend to have a lot of wind here. And the wind is another type of a stress, but it can be beneficial to the grapes. It helps um, kind of tame the vines. They don't get overly vigorous. And let, it, that lets a lot of sunlight into the canopy of leaves. And um, that's a beneficial thing for um, ripening as well. Great. And I understand the soil is very special because of some things that happened uh, thousands of years ago. And so folks uh, are trying to think about the soil. What does the soil bring to you as a viticulturist? Well, um, so the soil in the Horse Heaven Hills was uh, transported in these immense floods that happened during the Ice Age, so like 15,000 years ago. And so the soil is quite young. It's, not, it's a poor soil. It's just a mineral soil. It doesn't have a lot of organic matter. And so, again, that's a great place for great for great grapes to be grown because if you go around the world to see where the best vineyards are, often they're grown on rocks or, or cobblestone or hillsides that are very poor soil. And so um, poor in a sense of not, not rich um, fertility. Right. So um, it, it, again, another stress for the vines, they have to struggle a little bit. And so um, that makes the wine also helps with wine um, quality. Great. Well, speaking of wine, uh, I'm sitting right here. You so uh, luckily sent me a bottle of your Canoe Ridge um, Cabernet Sauvignon. This is the 2012 from Chateau Saint-Michel and the Horse Heaven Hills. So tell me uh, about why, uh, you know, Horse Heaven Hills is so perfect for Cabernet Sauvignon? Well, that's a great question. We are pretty proud of our cab here. So different AVAs, I've done kind of a study of the different AVAs and the different characteristics and the flavors. <clears throat> and what I would say about Horse Heaven Hills is the tannins tend to be, it, when you take a sip of wine and you feel the texture in your mouth, it tends to be kind of powdery or dusty. Mm. So the tannins are very fine texture. And so that's a typical Horse Heaven Hill characteristic. I'm going to take a sip too. So, uh, so yes, cheers. And you almost get a little of that um, lovely dustiness on the nose too. Yes, yes. Mm. So that's typical horse heaven. And the cat tends to have, and I don't know if this cat probably does, but it tends to have a, a bright fruit. A lot of times it'll have a bright cherry character and that's mm. typical of horse heaven hills. So the wine, you know, to me, the thing with wine, the most important thing with wine is balance. When you take a sip of wine, you don't want your first impression to be like oak right. or fruit or acidity. I mean, maybe some wines, but in, if you if you take a sip of balanced wine, you get a harmonious combination of fruit, yes. um, which gives you the aroma and the flavor. You get the tannins that gives you the texture in your mouth. You get a nice bright acidity, which makes it good with food because it's refreshing. Um, there's a little oak in there, but I mean, the oak just, it, it's, it's well integrated into the wine. And so um, I think it's a beautifully balanced wine. And that's one of the things that the Horse Seven Hills is known for. Yes, I, I agree. And it's sort of as you take the sip, all of those different elements become apparent, you know, uh, together. And it's like, oh, the fruit, oh, the acidity. And then the finish, you you know, you feel that tannin, but it's elegant. It's not gripping or a straight, you know, overly astringent like it can be with Cabernet Sauvignon, depending on, on, the, uh, on the wine that you taste. In Bordeaux, uh, when I visited there, I knew a lot of the uh, winemakers or viticulturists would say that they know when they're ready to harvest 
noticed, not so much based on measuring the sugar or the bricks as we do in California, but by tasting the grape and the seeds. Is that something that you do? Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. So, so the, um, particularly the skins. So when the skins are not very ripe, um, when the fruit is not very ripe, if you put the fruit in your mouth and then chew on the skins a little bit, if it's not ripe, then the sensation in your mouth will be that grippy sensation that you were talking about in some wines. And that means the tannins aren't all the way ready to be, if the grapes aren't ready to be picked because that, that grippy tannin will translate into a grippy tannin in the wine too. Mm. And I think wine should be pleasurable to drink. You know, it shouldn't bite you in the mouth. So, right. so um, we chew on the skins, we get a real soft sensation in our mouth. We know the wine is, the grapes are ready to pick. Oh, nice. So Horse Heaven Hills, we've been talking about the name, and you, there is a website for folks to go to. It's uh, Horse Heaven Hills Wine Growing Growers, horseheavenhillswinegrowers.org, which is uh, the site for all of the different uh, people who grow grapes and make wine in Horse Heaven Hills. How did it get its name? I mean, are there a lot of horses there? <laughs> I see the picture of the horses well, behind you. I know. Yeah, it's a, it's a great name. So it was actually named by a pioneer in 1857, and he lived in the Yakima Valley, and I guess his horses ran away one day, and he trailed them up to the top of the hill, to the Horse Heaven Hills, and it was just covered in bunch grass, and the horse, his horses were happily feeding up there, and so he's uh-huh. the one um, who named it the Horse Heaven Hills. So um, it's been a historical name of this, of this area for over 150, more than almost 200 years now. Wow. So I've got to believe that Chateau St. Michel is probably one of the the larger wineries of the area. Uh, Give me an idea of the other types of wineries that are located there. Any of your favorites? I'm sure you trade wine. I notice wineries always seem to trade wine for other wine so they can taste different things. Give me an idea of the types of wineries there, maybe some of your other favorites. Well, it's true. So the Horse Heaven Hills Wine Growers, we get together once a month and we have a business meeting, talk about any kind of event that we might want to do or things we want, might want to do as a, as a group, but we always bring wine. And so after we have our business meeting, then we have a little potluck and we taste each other's wine. And that's, to me, that's really the best way to get to know the Horse Heaven Hills is, or that's how I've gotten to know these other wineries. Um, so my neighbor, some of my neighbors are Alexandra and Nicole. They're just down the road, a couple miles from us. Then up on the hill, that's along the river, because um, we're the Ridge is close to the Columbia on the south end of that Horsetown Hills, and so is Alexandra and Nicole. And then uh, we also have Mercer's Mercer Canyon um, is is another vineyard and winery, Mercer's Winery. And um, then we, uh, going up, horse. I'm sort of driving up the road now thinking about all these wineries. So then there's um, McKinley Springs, which is um, operated by the Andrews family. And then Coyote Canyon, which is, is another um, Andrews, um, part of the big Andrews family. And then um, I, I kind of skipped one. There's a little tiny vineyard called Martinez and Martinez, and they have a winery as well. So um, as I was driving in my mind across Horse Heaven Hills and thinking about all the vineyards that are there, 
um, some of the vineyards just grow grapes and they don't have their own winery. In fact, Horseheaven Hills is, a, is mainly a farming area. It's not so much a tourist destination, although we do love to have people come visit us. But, um, well, and I didn't mention Columbia Crest there, Chateau St. Michelle's sister winery down the road. Oops. So, um, yeah, we, we love to, that's, Columbia Crest is the biggest winery in the Horseheaven Hills. And, um, is open for tours all the time, but some of these other wineries are um, just by appointment because it's it's um, there's not a lot of traffic out here. But what the Horse Heaven Hills is really known for is for its grapes because it's a grape growing region, um, and our grapes go. <clears throat> I wish I knew how many wineries, but um, into dozens dozens of wineries across the state from Walla Walla to Puget Sound are buying grapes from the Horse Heaven Hills. And you'll find that ABA name Horse Heaven Hills on many wines, um, wineries labels, even if they're not here in the Horse Heaven Hills because right. they're buying our grapes. So Cabernet Sauvignon, to give me an idea of, <clears throat> you know, the really, the different kinds of grapes being grown and what, I mean, we know Cab does grapes tasting this fabulous wine, but what else? Well, there, um, Cab is the primary uh, variety in the Horse Heaven Hills. I think it's about 40% now. And, um, but there are many, many other varieties. So, for example, here at Pinot Ridge, we have quite a bit of Merlot, Chardonnay. We have some Syrah, <clears throat> some, uh, you know, our own varieties like Syrah, um, Grenache, and Mauved. We have other Bordeaux varieties such as Malbec and Petit Bordeaux. And uh, I know that it seems like a lot of different varieties to grow in one place. Right. But yeah, so like a lot of growing wine growing regions kind of specialize in one or two varieties because those are really suited to that area. And we used to think, you know, I've been with the wine industry for 35 years. And so I remember at the beginning, we'd say, well, you know, what are our two main varieties going to be? But what we found over the years is we can grow wonderful Riesling, which is yeah. something that's grown in Germany in a cool climate, right? We can grow a wonderful Cabernet that needs a lot of heat. And we can grow everything in between. And the reason for that is in Washington, we have these, you know, warm, sunny days, which grapes like sun and they like heat. But we can, we can cater to each variety because we're using irrigation. Mm. So some varieties like to be stressed, like Cabernet, you don't put much water on Cab, it gets really stressed, it makes the wine better. But with Riesling, we have found through the experimentation I was mentioning before, with Riesling, it's if you want the style of wine you're looking for, which is aromatic and fruity and soft in the palate, it's better to put more water on the Riesling. If you stress it, the wine can be, the Riesling can be bitter. So what we have found is we can adapt to each variety using irrigation techniques. So that's, that's the secret of Washington. I feel why we can grow so many varieties here. That's so great. So I understand that you're getting ready to retire. Does that mean you will be growing no more grapes? Or what are your plans for your retirement? Well, actually, this is a really special day. This is the first, my first day off the job. So I'm officially <laughs> not working today, although I am helping out with the Horse Heaven Hills um, group. I'm going to continue to be involved because I do, I mean, I do love working in the wine industry and and I, I am I do have a successor who's already in place and her name is Carrie Smasny. Nice. And uh, I'm gonna be helping Carrie uh, during this first season because I've learned so much about this place that there's lots of little things to to know throughout the season. 
and she's happy to have me help her out. So I'm going to be consulting for this first year with Carrie. But, um, you know, I, I love growing grapes. I do. But it's just I've gotten to the stage of my life where I'm just ready to start out in a new direction. So okay. I, I haven't really, you know, I, I've spent a lot of the last 35 years planning and being focused and goal-oriented and go, go, go. And, you know, I'm just going to take a step back and just relax and see what that's like. Right. I mean, and my husband really wants me to do that too. So <laughs> we're, uh, we're, <laughs> I'm going to try being like a mellow version of myself and, and see how that goes. Oh, Probably wow. won't last very long, but I'm <laughs> Stay tuned. We'll see. We'll see. So when you're not drinking wines of your own uh, or wines from the Horse Heaven Hills, what other wines uh, do you like to enjoy from around the world? What, what are some of your favorites? Oh, that's a great question, too. So, you know, because I've grown some of these different varieties at Canoe Ridge, it's really fascinating for me to try the same varieties from a different, especially where they're from. So, for example, Chardonnay is from Burgundy, and I was fortunate enough to visit Burgundy, and I went to see some of the most famous you know, uh, Chardonnay vineyards in the world and taste that wine. And of course, they're different because the terroir is different, but it's right. fun to see, you know, where your, I call my babies, where my babies came from, right? Right. And then um, I went to Corroti, where Syrah, you know, Syrah and Viognier are grown on those steep, steep hills. And, and you know, uh, it's fun to grow their own variety, but then to taste it where it came from. And the same with Cab, the Bordeaux, I was able to go to Bordeaux. And, um, and, and see those wonderful vineyards too. So it's, that's, I, I just, I guess I relate everything back to my experience here at Pinier Ridge. Right. And, um, and, and like to taste those places too. Great. Well, I think it's amazing your career and what, what you've done. And, uh, you just kind of jumped in. I, I, tend to joke about myself that I'm sort of a leap first and look later kind of person. And you really, you really did kind of jump into this grape growing thing without, uh, <laughs> without a lot of background. And I think that's fabulous because sometimes the best way to learn is by doing, I mean, you can study and study, but once you get in and do something, you really, you really know it. Uh, cause I've read a lot about grape growing, but I can't say I know how to, how to do it. Um, I would think so much as that art of it, uh, as you're, mentor was saying let the grapes tell you and and really getting intuitive about it right mm -hmm. i think so yeah yeah and I, i'm kind of that way too i i didn't i didn't plan on being a grape grower but i'm so <laughs> grateful that it came my way and and it's been a it's been a wonderful thing for me Wonderful. Well, uh, the wine that we're having again is the Chateau St. Michel Canoe Ridge Cabernet Sauvignon. This is the 2012. It's delicious. I'm uh, hoping that my husband's a chef, so maybe tonight I can get him to make a really nice steak or something that would just be a great partner. But I could see this going with a lot of different types of foods uh, as well. It's just got a nice balance to it, as you said. So I appreciate you sharing the wine with me and all of your experience. Um, if people want to find out uh, more about uh, Chateau St. Michel and the wines uh, that you're, the grapes you're growing, um, what's the best website for them to go to for that? Well, yeah, there's a, Chateau St. Michel has a website, so you, I'm sure that's easy to find. Yeah, Google. Our, our main winery is in, is in Woodinville, Washington, over near Seattle. And, um, and then if you want to learn about Horse Seven Hills, um, 
course, you mentioned the website, of course, heavenhillswinegrowers.org. And also, we do have a Facebook where um, we'll just paste, um, post things that the growers are doing or our neighbors, friends and neighbors are doing. So that's a good way to learn about us, too. Absolutely. Well, Mimi, you are such a pleasure to um, have a virtual happy hour with. <laughs> I appreciate, appreciate your time. Um, and I think you're a, an inspiration for anyone who's interested in getting into the business of growing grapes. And that's where it all starts. So thank you. Congratulations on your retirement. Although I'm pretty sure this isn't the last we're going to hear of you. <laughs> But, but we shall see. But thank you for spending time with me. And uh, I am so excited to hopefully one day come visit Horse Heaven Hills. But for now, I'll have to uh, travel by glass. Yes. <laughs> all right. Thank Cheers. You. Cheers. Thank you, Mimi. All right. That's uh, this episode of The Sipping Point. I'm Lori Forrester. If you uh, are listening to this podcast, you want to go to iTunes and click subscribe because we changed our platform for the podcast and that will make sure you listen uninterrupted. Mimi, thanks for being here. And if you want to check out anything about my business, just go to thewinecoach.com. Uh, we'll see you later, Mimi. Cheers. Bye. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Sipping Point, where we explore the recipe for a delicious life. I want to stay in touch with you, so I hope you'll find me on Twitter or Instagram at The Wine Coach, or just type in The Wine Coach in Facebook and you're going to find me immediately. I'm always looking to connect with great wine lovers like you, and I want your ideas for future shows. You can find me on the web at thewinecoach.com, and I'm here to help you demystify wine one glass at a time. Cheers.